0: Welcome back to episode 104 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This episode is with the Head of Sports Science and Analytics at PSV Eindhoven, Rude van Elk. Rude came on to talk about um, recent advances in data analytics. We spoke about linking data with your game model or your coach's style of play. Um, We spoke about manipulating data to have the greatest impact on performance, considerations when presenting data, and Rude went into some great information on that as well, Um, and then also the future of data collection and sports science. So it was great to tap into Rude's knowledge and experience, and big thank you to him for coming on the podcast. It was great to have him on. Great chat with Rude, so I hope you enjoy this episode. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's reached out recently and gave us some feedback on on the podcast. I really do appreciate every person sharing it and um, spreading the word of the podcast. So massive thank you to everyone that has done that. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and it's also on YouTube as well. And then also when we put a podcast out, please share it, share it on Twitter, Instagram, but also send it out to friends, family, colleagues, whoever you may think will benefit from the episodes as well. But thank you to everyone that has done that so far. I really do appreciate it. And um, any feedback or anything on the podcast, just drop us a message on either Twitter or Instagram at FootballFitFed. So here is the episode 104, Recent Advances in Data Analytics with Rude van Elk. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 104. I am delighted today to be joined by Rude van Elk, the head of sports science and analytics at PSV Eindhoven. Rude. thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on, mate. We, we often reach out to our listeners and ask um, about potential guests or topics. And one that comes up a lot of the time is obviously a lot of our listeners are, are UK-based. So a lot of people often say, can we can we hear from coaches in Europe and in different leagues? So it's great to have you on. It'd be great to dive in some Um, insight into what you do over in the Dutch League. So, yeah, thank you very much for giving up your time. Happy to be here, man. Looking forward. Brilliant. So, do you want to kick us off, Rude? Just take us through your career. Just give us a little update on your career, where you've been, what you've been up to.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, I started out uh, studying uh, health sciences and biology of human performance in in Maastricht University in, in in the south of Holland. Um, and as my bachelor graduation project, I looked into uh, the functional movement screen a little bit. Um, So that that was in, I think, 2011, 12, that period. uh, FMS was a big thing, especially in the States, and there were some discussions in in Holland about uh, the validity and how it should be used in football, so we did a little study on that, uh, on a pretty big group for a year, and uh, PSV was one of the clubs that was uh, back then involved in that project. So I yeah, ended up coming here yeah, a couple of times, just not that much. The connections were late. And then uh, Luke Van Acht, my, uh, uh, my boss, or my, my former boss actually, um, uh, he asked me to, uh, to do my uh, master's project here as well. Um, so in my master's, I did a study on uh, carbohydrate supplementation, uh, it was in 2012, 13. Um, and after that, started working part-time for the club, uh, first in the, in the academy, uh, partly SNC, partly sports science. The, yeah, the little combined role, pretty much everyone started out with, I guess. Uh, doing way too much stuff and way too little time. So I think my my first contract was about eight hours, and I worked three or four days a week. Um, and then gradually over the years, um, started growing into more into the, the sports science role. The SNC didn't fit me that much, so um, I became the the, the first full time sports scientist for the academy. And in two thousand. 15, I moved to the first team um, so I've been with the first team for I think this is my fifth or sixth season now um, and actually this year um, we changed our performance department a little bit in the organizational structure and since this year I'm the uh, head of sports science and analytics so a little bit more of from uh, coordinating role well as well also into the academy um, and that's where I, where I am right now yeah so it's been uh, I've been with the club already for yeah almost, almost 10 years I think if you also include the, the internship
0: Wow, that's a, it's a fair amount of time, isn't it? So you must have seen a, a decent change in that time. Yeah, definitely. So currently, uh, especially in the academy, that we invested
1: yeah for for Dutch. Uh, uh, for Dutch labs, we invested quite a bit. So if you look at our academy building right now, but also the whole staff, um, I think in my first year, we were there with uh, uh, 15 people at lunch. And right now, it's uh, sometimes 150 people lunching there in the academy. So yeah, the the, uh, the organization it grew uh, amazingly, and, and luckily we also see the benefits of that with guys uh, uh, really joining the first team, and especially in the last two or three years. Also selling a few for, for quite quite good amounts, so that's that's what we're really happy with. Um, and of course, yeah, uh, right now it's my third or fourth head coach for the first team, so we're starting to
0: get a little bit experienced in that as well. Um, so it's been yeah, it's been a nice ride for sure. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's great. And just before we started recording, I had a little, uh, like you do, just went on my phone, on Twitter, and I saw you retweet a, a tweet from the Dutch League. Um, they put out some um, information that I'm guessing you, you saw coming um, about the clubs um, gathering data together for this season. So do you want to just give us a little update on that? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's actually a project that's been
1: that's been running for a couple of years already, but we were quite late as a league to start gathering tracking data uh, from a league perspective. So um, until years ago, a few clubs did it by themselves. So it was, uh, uh, it was Vitesse, uh, Ajax and us doing it by ourselves, but there was no league solution. Um, and a year or, yeah, I think three years ago, we, we started coming together with those clubs and say, okay, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that we do it all by ourselves, but there's no solution for the whole country. Um, and that back then we started with first just gathering the data, uh, so just tracking data from Carinengo. Uh, all the clubs were involved in that. And actually this year uh, we upgraded that project a little bit. So uh, what happened this year is that we're also gonna uh, get our, all the technical videos in every stadium. So there will be fixed panoramic cameras in all the stadiums from from next week on. Um, and all the data will be uh, will be shared to a to a platform from from Sci-Sport and, and Emotion, who are doing that together. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, that's a big plus for the, for the Dutch league uh, to get that going because I think we were yeah, a little bit behind if you look at yeah, pretty much all the leagues in Europe did already have some kind of system in place. And yeah, right now it seems that we are uh, yeah, pretty much at the same level and, uh, and competing on that again. So that's, that's been really good and I'm really happy that uh, all the clubs decided to,
0: to go for it together. And how do you see that influencing your practice, route I know it's hard to say before you, you're able to gather all the information, but how do you see things changing? D-
1: Data-wise, w- data we already got the data f- uh, for two or three years. Uh, two, two years, sorry, for the, for the league. So that's been, yeah, the biggest thing was before that, we gathered everything ourselves. Um, so myself and a few colleagues were traveling to all the games, putting up mobile tracking kits tracking in every stadium. Um, yeah, it, it saves us so much time that it's now pre-installed. Uh, it's been taken care of by uh, by Carinego. It's 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 controlled, it's shared in, in a proper way, and we get all the data instead of only our own games. So th- that that influence already has been huge. Um, and yeah, the addition right now with with also gathering gathering the the tactical feed, that, yeah, for the video analysis guys, is that they yeah, they don't have to gather all the videos from colleagues or the clubs that they have. They just now. Log into one platform and it can see all the league games for all the teams. Uh, which yeah, which is a which is a big plus, I think, and especially for Holland because we yeah, we also have quite a few pretty small stadiums. Um, the camera platforms are often also really low, and with the fixed installations right now, uh, they could pick the highest point in the stadium, which you normally can't reach with a with a cameraman. Um, so I think that the, the image quality and the view you have on the pitch might even improve a little bit. So a big plus of the of the steps we are taking right now as a, as a league. So, uh, yeah, that's it's been been really beneficial already, yeah.
0: Yeah, that saving of time is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Because I, oh, yeah. I imagine that's going to free up so much time for you to be focusing your energy elsewhere and progressing things on. Yeah, I did, I, even we don't travel that far, of course, in Holland. Our furthest away
1: game is just a three hour drive, but still, if you if you want to be there, you are there often three hours before the game, hour and a half after, then doing the analysis, getting home and away game would take you 10 to 10 to 15 16 hours and time is just completely safe for for other things right now so that's, that's huge for sure
0: and especially if you play two or three games a week yeah brilliant and i was going to ask as well because i know you touched that a little bit there but um what do you see as some recent advances in uh, analytics or data analytics that have that have um, occurred recently yeah, I think the, the availability of data
1: is, is, is a really big thing, so it's getting easier and easier to, to get information. I think the availability of tracking data is still, I, I won't say an issue, but you get it from your own league, but we're not still not able to get it from, from other leagues, of course. That's I think that will be the, one of the things for the next few years. And it's it's just getting easier and easier to, um, to combine data streams uh, to get good insights from them, so um, I, I think it's, it's not in, in, in data quality, but mainly in the way we, we handle the data, and I on our um if you look at the, the the amount of staff that we have but the steps we are making are already pretty impressive if you look at what what happened a few years ago so i think it's mainly the way that we handle the data um instead of uh, the the availability that's been the biggest of the last year um and the fact also that uh we got a lot faster in doing the right thing so automating uh, either your analysis or the collection or the way you present things to to the, to the rest of the staff that's also been advantages that we that we really made, and I think I think speed and football is one of the the, the biggest things that we that we need because I think it's one of the things um, Philip Cocu, one of our former head coaches, always said like if you want to give me some information back on our let's say Sunday afternoon game and we have a game in the Champions League on Wednesday night. For me, Monday, after, Monday morning is the only window that we have to get something back to the group. Like uh, Monday afternoon, will be probably off. Tuesday, we'll be working towards the Wednesday game. So we have a window of, let's say, Sunday, three o'clock, four o'clock until Monday morning, eight o'clock uh, to get something ready. And if it takes you yeah, more, than, more than that to get the information, get your data scrubbed or delivered in a good way, analyze it and decide what you want to give back to the team, it just takes too long. So uh, speed is definitely really important. And that's something that, that's definitely been uh, something we've been focusing on and that, that really helps in the way we use uh, different data streams
0: in, within the club. I think mean, that's a great point because we've spoke a lot before about presenting data and not not just having a load of jargon there, like simplifying it and giving whoever you're speaking to sort of um, thinking about their language and, and ways they think but also you've just mentioned a great point there in terms of the timing if you turn around to that manager the day before a midweek game and start presenting on the Sunday it, it's not in their mind at that point is it? There's a lot uh-huh. of other things going on?
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it, make, it makes no sense at all anymore it's just uh, as soon as yeah, you you have a window of five, I think 12 to 12 to 14 it's pretty much done um, and and I think it, it it counts for a lot of not only your let's say your your event data your tracking data for the game but also I think uh, if it goes about testing data or your 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 tracking data from the training um, the timing the timing windows are so small so the the faster you can be uh, the better and I think uh, that's something that yeah I think we as a club are really focusing on which I think you see it more and more in the whole in the whole industry and also just focusing on the things that that really matter for let's say, a specific coach or a specific group of players or, or physical trainers or whatever, um, it, it seems like we are doing less and less, but doing it in a, in a really proper and good way. Um, so in the beginning, uh, let's say five, six, seven years ago, we tried to gather as much as possible, all the information we could get, and then it's really hard to get to the right things. And, and yeah, slowly you start focusing more and more on on specifics and doing those really, really well. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's really important in a football organization.
0: And that was a question I was going to ask you, um, in terms of there's so many data sets out there and all, all this sort of noise, obviously some, a lot of it's good, but how do we find the data that we, we require and that can be impactful on our performance or our preparation? Yeah, I think it's it's a bit two-sided for me. I think one is uh,
1: trying to get into the to the mind of the coach and, and the coaching staff that you have, and giving them the information they will really use and they will really need. Because if if you feedback them something that doesn't fit the way they they look at football or the way they want to train, they will never use it, and it yeah it just doesn't make sense. Um, that would be just giving them data for the case of giving it, not really for using it. So that's one. And the other thing is, and I think that's in my opinion, one of the, the critiques I often have to our own profession is that we are often not really uh, really take, taking care of the quality of our data. So I'm sometimes questioning the quality of this, the systems that we use and are they really validated and how good are they and how comparable are they? And I often feel that that's something we tend to forget as a, as a sports science community. And I think we try to be really careful with it as a club, but um, it's something that, I think you should be really careful about, okay, what's going to happen when you combine different data streams from different providers? How accurate are they? How valid are they? And how interchangeable are they? And that, that's something that uh, we try to do really well, but it's, it's a really dangerous
0: thing in my opinion to, to not do that in a good way. So I just wanted to give a very quick update on our online community. For, so for anyone that doesn't know, we have an online platform available at footballfitfed.com. Um, the platform it, we um, put together to hold a number of different webinars, presentations um, in one place. So usually, obviously, without, without COVID and any lockdowns, we run network meetings across the UK and we have a number of different presenters at those meetings and all the presentations get recorded and they are available on our community. But we've also had a number of superb coaches um, deliver some top-class webinars as well for our community members. So you can get access to all of those, including... Our most recent upload from Nick Grantham, performance coach Nick Grantham um, and his webinar was on being flexible and adaptable as a medical professional. So to get access to all of this, you can get one month free on the community by going to footballfitfed.com, clicking the community tab at the top. If you register there, that will give you one month free. After that, it is only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get on-demand access to all the presentations and webinars that are currently available, but then also all the webinars and presentations that will be uploaded in coming weeks and months as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Rude. And then obviously becomes, which we've just touched on a little bit, is presenting that data as well and making it understandable for a variety of different people, not just a, a head coach or a manager, but you might be speaking to people in finance, the financial side of the club or whoever. So what would be your advice, Rude? Because we, we're talking to the, the listeners on the podcast. We might have some academy sports scientists, strength and conditioning coaches. We might have some first team. We might even have some part-time Coaches as well, so obviously the data will be very different throughout those clubs and those levels. But what would your advice be on presenting any data back?
1: Yeah, well, what we currently do is we use Tableau as our as our data platform to to share the data with all the different stakeholders, pretty much. Um, and I think uniformity is one of the one of the biggest things. So, uh, for instance, what we do is if you look at our, our physical data, for instance, we color code everything in every single report in the same way. So if we see red. Uh, coaches know it's about high intensity, distance, or meters. Um, um, if it's about if it's blue, it's about distance. If it's green, it's about the number of sprints or actions. So uniformity in your in the way that you present is, I think, really important. As and I think I find out, football coaches don't really like to read legends and stuff. So they they look at pictures, but they don't really read read what's there. So having them uh, using the same the same consistency in the way you present things is really important, in my opinion. And not putting in too much information. Just get to the key as soon as possible, and don't let them scroll to eighty-five pages of a, of a training or a match report, which uh, will, put, yeah, that doesn't make any sense for me. So trying to to cut, yeah, cut to the chase is probably really important, uh, and and uniformity in it, yeah. And I think you can use different different sessions. We have Tableau, which is which has been fantastic for us, but that could also be yeah, just a simple Excel or PowerPoint presentation. That I think that doesn't really matter, and. In the way where you get, I think, towards a more professional situation, automating stuff really, really helps, uh, especially because of the the little time that you have. So um, going towards a more solid solution would definitely benefit
0: it. But yeah, other systems can also really work well if you use them in the the right way. Yeah, I think that's a great point for the coaches that are working in any sort of semi-professional part-time clubs as well, is that there's still things that that they can do, isn't there? As, As much as they might not have access to um, the systems that you guys have or the Premier League has, then they, there's still things that they can do and still things that they can track and data that they can present, but they still need to take consideration to exactly what you said when presenting back.
1: Yeah, if you, if you do it consistently and doing it in a proper way and don't focus on too many things, it's definitely possible in, a in let's say, a semi-professional uh, or an amateur situation for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, Rude, was tying um, data sets or data analy- uh, analytics into a game model. So the team, uh, many teams will play many different ways. And I'm sure in your time, you don't have to go into specifics on, on the club, obviously, but in your time under different managers, I'm sure they had different approaches um, and everyone listening, everyone's manager or coach will be slightly different, I'm sure. So, how do we, I know a bit of a broad question, but how do we highlight the data sets that we're going to use to tie in with the game model and then be um, have the biggest impact on our performance? Yeah, I think um, it,
1: it's a question and it, it's, it's, it's not an easy one because I think it's also really depending on on the, the, the staff that you're working with and the people that you're working with. But what we try to do is... Um, Getting getting the way the coaches look at the game is, is the first thing. So, for instance, uh, right now with our, with our new staff, we, we try to get uh, as much in the, into their heads as possible and, and try to get out what they want to see from us. And, of course, there's already a lot in place uh, based on the, the previous coaches and, and people that we had within the club. But trying to do the stuff they want to see, uh, I think, is, is the biggest thing. Um, and uh, my background is a little bit more on the physical side, so that's probably what I'm focused on the most. Um, what you see there is that the differences are often not not not, not huge. So it's often like a, a tiny thing they want to see differently, uh, some specific thing in a report that you change around, but the basics are are still there. And I think if I look back at the at the coaches that we had, the the way we gather and analyze our data didn't really change that much. We we still gather all the tracking data. We still get all the event data from from the games. The way we we save it into our databases and and we uh, and store it that, that didn't really change. The only things that do change is the way we maybe present them or uh, show them in a report. And I think having consistency on that, on that back end, so not having to change your whole process of your, your gathering and analysis really helps if a, if a new staff comes along and then it will be about some details you, you change in a report or the way you want to show it uh, which really helps also in, in, um, in getting a staff up to speed. Because I think if you need months and months before a new, Staff is is ready to to start using your data, then you're already so far behind. So I think uh, trying, of course, to get them to buy and in also into the club's philosophy uh, philosophy helps, uh, and then changing the things they really want to see in a in a quick manner. That that's I think key in 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 the way when uh, when you change coaches or change playing styles or whatever.
0: Yeah, 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 and that and that brings up another. Uh, topic is understanding other people's roles and and again tying in the communication between coaching staff and uh, people that are going to make decisions doesn't it so in in terms of that like what's your experience on that because I always find it fascinating speaking to coaches on building relationships and communicating well with other staff members because you see some clubs doing it really well and things work really fluidly and then there'll be others that don't work so well so what's your opinion on that yeah I think it's I think it's one of the the challenges that you have
1: especially when uh, when a staff grows and there's more people involved around the team in is uh how do you communicate with all the different stakeholders and especially i think in the in the overlaying part of where uh the coaching staff the medical staff the performance staff they all come together um th- there's always challenges there and i think that's that's not easy for 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 a club uh, which club um but i think um And the way we try to do it right now is we we actually, this year we changed the organization of our performance staff a little bit. So uh, we are currently not working with like an overview and performance manager anymore. So we defined five areas of performance um, within our performance staff, which are uh, strength conditioning, sports science analytics, video analysis, nutrition and performance behavior. And the people that are uh, responsible for those areas, they need really close communication lines, also with the medical staff, of course, and with the coaching staff. And what we did is we, um, we set up different meeting structures. So let's say there's an analytics meeting with certain people involved. There's a, a rehab meeting where certain people from different uh, uh, staffs are involved. And that's the way we try to make sure that everybody knows uh, what they need to know before the day starts or the training or the game starts. Um, and so far, that's been, I think that's been been really helpful. Um, and of course, there's always uh, problems in, in starting it up, and, and people sometimes misinformation or get too much information. Uh, but when you work in a in a such a fast-paced environment with so many people, um, sharing the information the right way will always be a, be a tricky thing. And I think as a club, you should always look into how can we improve that year after year after year. And uh, I think we we've made some some good
0: steps in it, but it's definitely a challenge for sure yeah no that's a great point point. and then i wanted to ask rude as well in terms of going forward because i always like to ask sports scientists about what their opinions are on the future of of sports science data analytics because it's really fascinating isn't it how far and i'm sure you've seen it in the 10 years that you've been at the club how far things can um progress in such a small amount of time so if you're looking at maybe two five ten years down the line what's your opinion where do you see things going in terms of in terms of data um, I, I think
1: um, yeah broader availability data will be a big thing, so getting tracking information from multiple leagues uh, broadcast tracking, so can we get uh, tracking data from let's say uh, the second league somewhere in south america from a from a broadcast perspective would be I think for scouts would be really interesting and there are some some companies already working on that and having some promising results, so I think that's that's going to be a big thing um on a more, more detailed level, maybe even uh, stuff like limb tracking. Um, so uh, let's say VR solutions that are already in place, they still really, in my opinion, lack some of the, the information that you use as a, as a football player in, in limb position and, and head position, what are people looking at? So if we can get to that next level, that would be definitely be a big thing. Um, um, and um, I think from a perspective, we are still using the, the emotional system as, a, as our tracking system, which has been... Fantastic in, in accuracy, but it's still pretty bulky, so it's a bit bigger than uh, the GPS tunes that we know. So I think integrating uh, um, your your tracking device, whether it's a GPS or an LPM device, doesn't really matter. But integrating it that into your clothing will be definitely one of the uh, the big the big steps in the in the next few years. So somewhere in your in your shirt or in your in your shorts, uh, I, that you don't really have to wear a device anymore, that will also be, a, I think, be a good thing because players still without a problem but if we can get it out of the way that would be, it would be, it would be a good step as well
0: yeah that's a great point and, and the other thing I was going to ask before Rude when we talked about um, sort of part time SSE or sports scientist is if you had a blank canvas going into a club especially a club in, in that sort of part time um, role what would be your focus on um, settings if you if you had a little bit of money, let's say some systems? Where would you be? Where would you prioritize? For, from a like let's say semi professional perspective, yeah, I think so. I'm just trying to think about the the listeners, and a lot of listeners will be in that position. Yeah, in my opinion,
1: I'm not really sure, but but if I look at, the lef- at that level in Holland, it would be first about training really well. So uh, I wouldn't really focus on on getting all kinds of fancy measuring equipment, but uh, having good training facilities, good training equipment, and, and, a, and a good training staff—that will definitely be, by, be my first step. We can, we can measure everything we want, but if we, if we don't train properly and we don't have the to right tools to do that, that will, that will be my, my number one for sure. And then going into the more fancy stuff later. Um, and I think if you, if you look at like the more real sports science stuff, that's if you have a, you have some speed gates, a, a good jumping mat, or maybe even a force plate. Um, and, and some heart rate equipment, you already can do quite a bit of work, especially if you have to do it in, in a part-time role. So if it goes towards more of a real sports science stuff, I would consider doing that. But first, yeah, do the basics right and
0: and, and, and get good training materials and good and a good staff and to really work, yeah. I know you've already touched on it and, and named a, a few of the, country, uh, the companies even that you guys use, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but... Um, is is there any others that you would like to um, sort of push and say that you've that used their system and that you're, um, it's something you, you're going to continue to use and that you will push others to?
1: Yeah, now for us, our, our tracking provider for the for our training sessions has been Emotio, which yeah, for me has been has been fantastic. I think the 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 quality, especially the quality of their of their tracking data, is pretty much the best there is around. Um, a bit bulky that's that's a big disadvantage and it's it's fixed on the field so it's not not mobile like a gps system but if you look at i think at the level we are working on we want the most security that we can get and we get it from that system so we are really happy with that and also the in the league the car ego data has been has been has been really good for us um so those are the things that we uh, we definitely plan on, on on continuing using um and uh, I think on the on the analysis side for us, uh, using Tableau has been has been a really, really big thing. Um, and, and the amount of time that it saved us and, and I think the way uh, the reports are looking right now, the way the consistency that we have throughout the club from first team to the academy, even now to the uh, commercial side of the club and the stadium, we're also starting to use Tableau since, since this year. Um, so those, are, I think from my perspective, are the, the, the three companies that are, currently have
0: the biggest influence within our club no that's awesome and then i was just going to take it full circle and take it back to something that you mentioned at the start when you said about working in snc and sports science and being in control of a number of different responsibilities and i think you said about having an eight-hour contract and across a number of different days um which i'm sure many people will be able to relate to but what was your um, what made the decision to go down the sports science and data route rather than um, down the SNC? and I should have asked this at the start, but I just thought it would be good to get your yeah, sure. Point of view. Um,
1: I, uh, partly personal interest. Um, I think um, as a, I, I, I really like the IT and the data part as well, so that, that's also personal uh, preference, I guess. Uh, but also just quality. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm a better better scientist than I am an S and coach. Uh, I really enjoyed working individually with guys, so I think uh, the more the rehab staff and the individual programs was something I really like. But uh, standing in, gro- in front of a group of uh, 25, uh, 25 football players is something that, uh, that I'm not the best at. So I think I, I saw quite soon that my colleagues were doing that job a lot better. So it's also a decision that's based on the stuff that's yeah i think close to you and what you're better at so yeah it was
0: a it was a really easy decision for me to to move on, on, on in, into that direction yeah. Yeah, and i'm sure the reason why i asked is i'm sure there'll be people that can relate to you, your answer on that as well so no thanks for being open with that um Rudy, if we go into some quickfire now so some quickfire sure. questions and i say quickfire but they don't have to be that quick uh, <laughs> but i wanted to ask just a few few questions in terms of um just to get a little little insight into you so first of all and you can have a number for this um you don't have to stick to one but name some people that have been the biggest influences on your career so far um
1: yeah uh, within the club definitely uh, luke van acht uh our, our former performance manager is now our innovation manager. Um, I've been working under him, yeah, pretty much for the for the last decade. Um, really, really a big mentor, Lucas. I think, uh, especially you known one of the most experienced sports scientists there is. It's uh, been with with this club for uh, for over thirty years, but also worked in uh, uh, in athletics. Uh, uh, did more multiple Olympic games. Was with the Dutch national team on uh, on three big tournaments. So really experienced guy. So for, from my perspective, he's definitely one of the big ones. Um, Outside the club, I would definitely say also Danny, um, who's been uh, in the NBA. Uh, I, I met him when he was uh, working for the Seattle Sounders, and he's going back to the MLS now, uh, going into Austin. Um, so Dave has definitely been, uh, been an inspiration for me, and especially in the way he, uh, he organized things at, at Seattle and, and how he thinks about performance as a whole. So
0: uh, yeah, those two would be first I would think of. Brilliant. Yeah, it's always great to see, isn't it, working in football, to see those practitioners step back into the game. When I saw that announcement, I think it was yesterday, it's always great, isn't it? Because when I know, I know they're still involved in sport as a whole and performance as a whole, and there'll still be things that they'll put out that relate to what you do, but when they re- return back to your sport, it's always great, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then the next one I wanted to ask is, um, what's your biggest strength as a coach
1: um, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think I'm really able to, um, yeah, to keep, let's say, 100 balls in the air all the time. So there's always so much going on within, uh, within a professional environment. And I think, um, the ability to, uh, make sure that you get the right things out of it quickly and also say, okay, this is what we drop and we, we forget about it for now. I think that's something, something I'm really good at. Um, but that would, I
0: think, be, be one of the, yeah, the strengths I have as a, as a coach. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, no, that's great. And then the next one is, I think this ties quite nicely into sort of lockdown. And I'm sure you did a lot of reading, a lot of <laughs> research, like everyone did in this time. Um, but what's the best bit of CPD that you've done recently, like a, whether it be a webinar or a presentation that you've watched?
1: Um, that's a good one. Uh, you mean, let's say, the last, the last, last half year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, actually, I started doing some courses for myself, which been uh, which you never have the time for. I I started to uh, freshen up my Python skills, which which was which was really helpful. I'm not doing that much coding myself, uh, but still uh, having having the the skills and knowing what the guys uh, that are working with us are doing is, is is really helpful. So that would be the most beneficial that I did. Um, for me, if, if I look at, at, at conferences, I think the, um, and those are not digital ones, but the, the two that I always try to go to are the, the one from Barcelona. So the Technology Week in Barcelona has, has been, in my opinion, fantastic with the people that are coming there. Um, and also the, uh, the Seattle Sounders uh, Sports Science Weekend has been, been a really, really good thing for me to visit there. And I was lucky enough to be there twice, so that's, those will be the two things I would want to mention
0: yeah brilliant no it's, it's something that i added in because i knew that a lot of people are going to be uh, have been doing that a little bit extra cpd recently so it's good to yeah. um get some specifics on it and then the final two are basically the same question but, but for two, two different people so what do you think is the most important trait as a coach or um, what one of the most important traits of a coach It's a good one.
1: Um, I think in in a in a in a role, if you are in a, let's say in an SNC role, um, or in or in a sports science role, whatever performance job you have, I think uh, knowing your place within it is important. So, of course, there's times that you really have to step up and and stand for your work, but also knowing when not to do that and having having a feeling for that is, is a is a really big thing. So, in my opinion, we are we are really working within the club as a as a supportive part of the staff. So let's say everything is focused around the player group and, and, and the first layer of coaches around that. So we should be in that second layer around that being really supportive, but knowing, okay, this is the period that I have to, and, and I can step up, but also knowing, okay, this is not the time for me to dive into this, or this is not really my subject, so I stay out of it. So having a, a little bit of a feeling of that, I think that's, that's really helpful in, in in navigating your way uh, through a club. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure if it's really something you can learn, but it's something you you do have a feeling for, and I think you you know that quick enough on on when to step up, when not to, and and yeah, really finding your place within uh, the whole player and staff group
0: within the team. Yeah, yeah, great point. And then the same question. So um, most important trait, but from a player.
1: Um, I think, like, if we look at. Uh, our academy right now and 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 the guys that are coming through i think like all those guys are really talented there's there's no way i think in professional football anymore that you that you end up at a let's say an under nineteen team or an under eighteen team uh, at, at a pro club in in, in Western europe and i think um as a player being able to um to really use all the the resources that are available for you there is so much right now in in strength conditioning in sports science in nutrition like everything is ready for you and, and trying to get uh, most out of that as a player I think that, that, that's, been, that's been really beneficial if you are able to really suck it all up and, and putting that into your own perspective and I think it's different for every player of course some guys want more guidance or want more help but, but uh, having the ability to, to use all the resources available is definitely I think a big plus for, for young guys right now
0: Brilliant no that's awesome Rude, I think we covered everything that we, that we said we were going to get through there. So no, unless there's anything else that you wanted to touch on, I think, um, I think we got through it all. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was great to be here. No, I appreciate you giving up your time and we'll stay in touch and uh, all the best for the season ahead. Thanks, man. Oh, just Rude, finally, actually, can you just give your... Um, is there anywhere that people can ask questions and reach out? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, uh,
1: LinkedIn. Uh, I'll, I'll send you my details so you can put them in and then uh, definitely reach out if
0: they have any questions for sure. Brilliant. Well, top, man. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you for your time, man. Cheers, Rude. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to Rude for giving up his time and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate him coming on. You can go and give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Rude Van Elk. Um, no dots or, or spaces or anything like that. So just his name. Um, in terms of takeaways, again, loads on this one for me. Um, he. One of the things we spoke about really early in the episode was the fact that these advances in collecting data um, are going to save time, and that's one thing that obviously a lot of practitioners will be. They'll give anything for to have that little bit more time available to work on different things. So that's a big, um, a big step forward. And then he talked about some advances possibly in the future of being able to get data from other leagues. And he mentioned tying that in with scouting for the club as well. Um, We we spoke about presenting data. I think it's really an important topic for a lot of coaches and practitioners. He spoke about colour coding data and, I knew he was going to struggle with this word, uniformity um, in terms of keeping it Keeping things consistent when presenting data. So they've got their colour code that they use at the club and everyone knows what that code means. So it doesn't have to necessarily be that, but taking advice from that in terms of the consistency with presenting data. And then he used a great phrase um, with keeping 100 balls in the air. So this is where we spoke about his biggest strength as a coach. And for me, that means that he's got a number of different things going on. He's able to keep things keep things going and i've heard it talked about like spinning plates before constantly keeping things moving forward um but handing a lot of things and then he also spoke about dropping certain balls as if you use the analogy um at certain times so recognizing the fact that okay we don't need so much of whatever it is at this point so we can we can let that go and shift our focus elsewhere so that was what he spoke about his biggest strength as a coach and then he also spoke about um, when we asked about the best trait of a coach is knowing your place and understanding other people's views and um, responsibilities and their roles as well. And that, again, that's something that we talked about in recent shows. So plenty of takeaways from me. Um, it was great to chat with Ruud. I've never spoke to him before. I reached out to him and he was, he was really happy to come on the podcast. So I appreciate him and PSV uh, for giving up the time. And I'm um, and coming on and sharing his, his knowledge and his wisdom. So a big thank you to Rude. And again, thank you to everyone listening. I really appreciate every single listener and everyone that shared any of the episodes. And please continue to, to, to do so. I do want to grow this. I want to keep pushing it out to um, more coaches, more practitioners, and then keep getting these quality guests on as well. And that only happens from people knowing about the podcast Um, and, and hearing different people on the show as well so huge thank you and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 105